Builder, hey, welcome back to another exciting podcast episode. I have with me the legendary Adrian Chenault. How are you, my friend? I'm great. It's good to be here with you, James. Oh, man. We're going to change some lives. And this is one of those episodes that if you've ever struggled with being spammy or annoying with following up, you're going to want to listen to this. You're going to want to share this. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do that because the fortune is in the follow-up. But there's also ways to do it in a professional manner. And I have with me somebody that is a professional at that. If you don't know Adrian, we're going to dive way into his story, a little bit about him. He's the CEO of Contact Mapping alongside with his father. If you're in the network marketing industry, you might know the legendary Tom Chenault and Adrian's a a legend himself as well too but adrian and this company they help unlock uh they help entrepreneurs unlock the fortune in their follow-up so there's some great systems that they have and even before we get into that i just want to spend some time with my friend adrian here but adrian thanks for being on the show and i'd love the listeners to be able to know more about you so who was adrian prior to contact mapping yeah thanks so much uh so you know, I, you, you mentioned my, my dad. And, and so that's a huge part of my story. You know, obviously grew up, uh, around the network marketing profession. My dad has been, uh, pretty active in network marketing for pretty much as long as I can remember. He, he started when I was maybe like five or six, really doing that. And, you know, I watched him go from struggling and from, you know, figuring it out and going through a few companies and doing that through to who he is today. And, you know, my story was, was, uh, intertwined into that experience and intertwined into watching him do what he did. So my, you know, quick backstory, uh, my, my parents divorced when I was six or seven years old. My dad, uh, is 34 years sober now, uh, almost 35 years sober now. Um, and so he got sober when I was about four and he, and so I don't ever really remember him drinking, but he, you know, he had this he had a legendary drinking career before his legendary network. You missed out. Career. Let's <laughs> put it that way. Um, and, and so they, so he got sober, um, and, and but you know still had a lot of other parts of of growing up and figuring out things for to do. And and so my folks divorced when I was very young, and so I, I was back back and forth between my dad's and my mom's. And as a result of that, one of the things that I think was a, a true silver lining, a true kind of godsend in that experience is that uh, it's really, it's a big part of how my dad ended up choosing network marketing as a profession because it gave him the flexibility to be able to be a dad, a single dad to my sister and me. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like I, you know, instead of just having a dad who goes off to an office and you have, you know, a very limited understanding of what, what they do. And that's yeah. just what it is. I had this sort of front row seat because my dad always worked from home. Mm. And so half, half of my formative years growing up, I was at dad's house and, and watching him do that. Half of my formative years, I was with my mom, um, who is uh, incredible and who is, you know, made incredible sacrifices for us. She ended up becoming a teacher and eventually a, a principal of a, a private Christian school. Uh -huh. uh, and, and she kind of changed careers from being an interior designer to being a teacher so that she could be able to have a job that would give her hours where she would be available to be a mom to us um, uh -huh. and, and be able to still make an income. And so I had these two worlds that I sort of straddled my mom being this incredibly, um, supportive, nurturing, structured, 
like the perfect traditional mom. Yeah. And then I had this dad. <laughs> uh, it was incredible in the most amazing ways and was definitely like got an F minus in every category of traditional parenting. Um, and so I, I can tell you so many stories, but you know, I still, even at 30, almost 39 years old, I, I have to tell myself that I don't need to sniff the milk before pouring it because it's not old milk. Like, we, you know, like I I'm an adult now, but it was, uh, we had a few interesting experiences growing up to say the least. <laughs> I so love that. And, um, I think it's incredible to see that even despite that type of an interesting background, it's really rare to see a dad and a son to be able to co-lead something now. So I guess, how did you go from that dis interesting dysfunction, I suppose, to actually now partnering together <laughs> and yeah. do what you're doing now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and, it, and it's interesting. Um, and like, not, not to like what you said is fine. Like I, I sort of presented it as, as such, but you know, funnily enough, it really wasn't dysfunction for the most part. Mm. It was my, we just had a very different kind of, we've always had a very different kind of relationship than what you might consider a father, a traditional father son relationship, especially in the early days. Yeah. But I, I think one of the things that I am in, eternally grateful to my dad for is that he, he always was, he always was my dad. He always mm -hmm. was my biggest supporter. He always like, so he certainly was a dad to me, Yeah. but he managed at the same time to always treat me as an equal, mm. as opposed to that he's here and I'm down here. Mm. Mm. And I think that I, I think he sensed in me that I, could handle that. Mm. I think that he, um, that I thrived on that. And I think that that was, you know, my mom took really good care of us. Mm. And so I was nurtured in that relationship. Mm -hmm. My dad gave me the space to make mistakes mm. and, and gave me the, you know, my mom, my mom always wanted to keep me from making mistakes because she loved me and she didn't want me to hurt. Yeah. My dad loved me enough to let me make mistakes mm. and having those two things together was really powerful. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I'm glad you asked the question that way because I hadn't reflected on that. You, people always go, you know, what's it like working with your dad? It must be, yeah. you know, I'm sure it must be really hard at times. And of course, yeah. you know, it's not all roses, no yeah. relationship, no work, you know, wh whoever your co-founder is in anything, it's yeah. never all roses, yeah. but it's been so much easier than I even thought it would be mm. and so much more natural than I thought it would be. And I think it tracks back to that idea mm. that my dad really gave me space to make decisions mm. and trusted me to make my own decisions and was always there to pick me up and dust me off, but allowed for that from like the earliest years. And I think that translated into that he's been an amazing co-founder because he, you know, this has been my show. Yeah. Him being that kind of the second in command. And right. that's might not be easy for a lot of dads, but he yeah. stepped into that very naturally. And I think it's because of that relationship. How incredible. You know, it's interesting because God uses every single parent. There's no perfect parent. There's no perfect son. There's no perfect person. Right. So, yeah. But when you have that perspective that God is able to use every single person in your life to be able to show you and teach certain things, I can just sense that peace that's in you of because it's unfortunate if we do live in a, a generation now 
where 50% of marriages do fall apart. Um, at least that was the last that I checked. And it's unfortunate because for many people, I've seen that that ends up being a, uh, a crutch for them. That ends up being the, the point that breaks them. But for you, you can see that there's that piece about you where you're, you're gleaning from all the good. And obviously, there's a lot of bad in, in every single family situation. But what I'm hearing from you and I'm just sensing is just so much peace and gratitude. And you're, you're learning from the best of everything that you got. And that's where what's brought you here now and still be able to work with your dad as well, too, and have such a fabulous relationship. You know, so tell me, what's the course? What is it? How would you describe work a day in the life of working with your dad? What does that look like? What does that feel like? <laughs> um, he, like so many. Uh, oh, good. I got a little dog in <laughs> I brought the puppy to work today and there's a networking meeting. We have a, another office above us. Oh, <laughs> and nice. started clapping or something. And nice. was like, what just happened? <laughs> so sorry about that. Um. So the the day in the life of of working with Tom, you know, the, I, I find that many of the best leaders are people that have incredibly strong strengths, mm. and they also they may have incredibly big blind spots or or areas where they're not as good, but they figured out what they're good at. They figured out what they're not good at, and they've yeah. gotten good at finding finding other people in their life to fill the gaps. Yeah, and so. Tom is that guy. And so uh, what's funny is, you know, he's a like, he is literally a savant when it comes to relationships and routinely we'll have a conversation and I'll just go like, how, how did you even like think to like, to make that turn in that conversation or in this negotiation or whatever? And he just has this like, preternatural ability to like get to the heart of the matter in a way that disarms people that helps everyone win but that like you know he like he's playing for a prize that i don't even see in many wow. conversations so i love bringing him to meetings because he's like he'll just see things that i'll never see mm. uh equally he is he's an, a mad professor i don't mm. know what <laughs> And so we'll like be in a meeting and like, like I'll just be watching him. Like you are literally on another planet right now, aren't you? So uh, attention span is not Tom Chanel's strong suit. And so you just have to, you have to get right to the point and, uh, and maximize what you get out of them and then let him move on to the next thing. That's good to know. Great yeah. communication tip with the visual too. I just love how transparent you are, Adrian. Because, And I, I think that's what makes you so powerful, your guys' partnership and everything that you do in business and in life and everything. There's so much transparency, especially now. I, I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but in a social media world where everything is filtered and all that, like it's hard to find genuineness. It's hard to find authenticity. But just the fact that you share that in such a fun way. It's not a, a derogatory way. It's just you're just speaking truth right there. I'm sure if I asked your dad, he'd probably say some really funny things about you as well, oh, too. But that actually makes you more authentic. And I'm sure when we, we're going to follow up, we're going to conversations, but really follow up is all about just people, right? And people really trust authenticity. But have you noticed that to be something that's been a very important factor in your business and life, too, that authenticity? Yeah, totally. In fact, uh, one of the one of my dad's 
many sayings and and things that have that he teaches others and that have really stuck with me mm. is he he always talks about the importance and the power of telling one on yourself mm. and so he's really mm. he he's able to disarm people in a you know i think what has become a more like I, I think people understand this and it's a more accepted way of being now mm. I think for a long time. It wasn't right. Like the, it used to be, if you're a leader, like you don't show weakness, like right. you don't do that. And you know, now I think people like Brene Brown and others have, you know, yeah. that this has come in vogue a little bit more, even though it's still like the work of doing it still isn't any easier, mm. but my dad has always been so good about telling him one on himself, right. Of, of mm. not being afraid to, to, not look good in that conversation or in that situation. Right. And that's something that I, I, that's actually not, does not come naturally to me at all. Mm -hmm. um, I like, I, I am a kid who grew up, you know, wanting to be the straight A student, wanting to be recognized as being a certain thing. Right. And it's, and it's been an unlearning for me mm -hmm. to allow myself to be seen as my whole self, which is obviously highly, you know, completely imperfect. Yeah. And that the, and I think the counterintuitive part or, or the kind of the great inversion part of that is that you think you're going to lose love when you do that. Mm. And in fact, you, inevitably, every time I take that risk, I receive more love than I, than, more love than before and definitely more love than I expected. Mm. And so I'm learning to trust that more and more. That's a huge thing. Um, where, you know, me and your dad are in, in the same circles in network marketing. We we're given this challenge by Fraser Brooks, who's one of the legendary network marketing trainers. He did a challenge to make a vulnerable social media post yeah. and basically talk about a story, right? And yeah. the scariest thing in the world, I did that. It got the most buzz, the most, the most connection. And I just felt this veil of uh, whatever type of walls that we put up just break down. And I felt like it connect with people and truly get to know them for them to get to know me too. So just to exactly to what you said, it's so important to let go and let loose more about yourself as well too, you know? So um, I want to talk more about you today. Your dad is amazing. And if you guys aren't following Tom and everything that he's all about, definitely follow him as well. But Adrian, you are doing some spectacular things, not just within contact mapping, but just as a man, as a husband, um, as a father, like as so many different things. And I'd love to hear more about your journey. And you are also a man of extreme faith, um, which is something I highly respect. And, and in this platform, our goal is to connect faith in business, faith in life. Like how does this all weave together? Yeah. But do you mind sharing with the audience as well too? Um, how did you find faith? Like what was that journey like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it kind of goes back to a little bit this sort of straddling two worlds idea, right? So like my mom is an incredibly devoted Christian, you know, churchgoer, you know, that, that was a huge part of my life at mom's house. Mm -hmm. And my dad, you know, grew up Catholic originally, mm -hmm. you know, went through this divorce where obviously, you know, a lot of it was to do with drinking and, uh, you know, whatever. And so the, he, he had had this, these kind of burn wounds. And so I kind of had this, like I sort of grew up in, in a faith that was, you know, more my, my mom's than my own and, and whatever. And it was, you know, so like it was, it was there, but it was what, you know, it, it was, it was something that was just like a feature of who I was rather than 
a, a core part of my identity. Mm. And um, my, so my, both of my parents are, are now happily remarried. Um, my, and, and both of them were each other's first marriage. Um, my mom had a second marriage before mm. meeting her, her husband now, who's her third husband. Mm. Um, and, and she really, I think, uh, felt like she needed to provide for us. Mm. And I think she, that, that she needed to have, she needed to be married in order to be able to, to take care of us. And I think that that kind of clouded her judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, when I was, uh, in sixth grade, she remarried, um, and, you know, long story short, mm -hmm. the, her second husband lost his job, like right after they got married, that oh. put a lot of pressure on a lot of things and a, a whole bunch of really tough stuff, kind of the, the their marriage was not in a good place mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I was in ninth grade, uh, my mom was getting a master's degree, getting ready to become a principal of, of the school that she mm. ultimately was principal of. Um, my stepdad was, you know, kind of cobbling together jobs and, and it was, it was tough. And I was, you know, an angsty teenager and my mm. sister was, uh, you know, I guess in fifth grade at the time. Yeah. And, uh, I don't need to go into all the details, but the, but w one night at the dinner table, we, there, there was a, a big argument that ultimately became physical between me and mm. this this man mm. and um thankfully it wasn't uh, it, it could have been much much worse it was it was kind of instantaneous and it was over but it totally turned my whole world upside down mm. and i was really hurting um as a ninth grade boy i was not you know i i was not in a hurry to share the story of what yeah. had happened but suddenly you know we're living at grandma's house and you know this guy is persona non grata and and all this sort of stuff and i was i was really hurting and uh in my high school young life um which is a an international minister, high school ministry um that partners with high schools sort of as opposed to churches um was, was big in my high school and and uh one of the most dear people to me in my life to this day named chad Cognet, was the the head leader yeah. and um i actually had known him through family connections and at a church that we were at before. So I kind of knew who he was, but we didn't really know each other. Yeah. And unbeknownst to me, my mom had called Chad and said, Hey, you know, I don't know what she told him, but what, you know, Adrian's going through some stuff. I would, I'd really love if you would just kind of keep an eye out for mm -hmm. him and check in on him a little bit. And mm -hmm. so this guy, uh, I've never told, I, I've told this many times. I've never told any of this on a podcast before. Oh, so. wow. So I, I get emotional and, and so roll with me here. Yeah, totally. Um, but, but this guy, Chad, you know, started pursuing me and, and, um, you know, I, I was a very typical, uh, you know, whatever yeah. <laughs> school kid. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly wasn't interested in, in being in church and whatever, mm -hmm. but, you know, young, all, all the, all the good looking girls went to young life. Nah, young life was the time that you got to go do stuff with the involved girls uh on a on a school night and so i like basically i was in and uh this was back in the stone ages when they used to have the uh you're probably too young for this when they used to have the uh the like the the 27 inch you know ginormous tv on the cart i had that i i made that cut yeah <laughs> so uh so they roll so i don't even know who knows how young life owned but they, it's Young Life Club. 
they roll in this huge TV with a VHS player. They pop in this tape and it's about Young Life Camp. Mm. And so now there's this camp. It's in California. They have like a blob and they have dune buggies and they have girls and those girls are wearing swimsuits. And oh. I want to go to there. Oh. And so it was like, it was $500, which was, uh, which was a lot of money back then and was especially a lot of money for my mom who would be the one to pay for mm. this. And so I remember going home that night and going, mom, like, you just got to hear me out. Like, so I like set up this whole thing, assuming she's going to say no. And she of course said yes to me going to this young life camp that summer. Um, which I was like, you know, it, it almost felt too easy. Like, you know, yeah. I feel like this was a trap. <laughs> you said yes too fast, but she said yes. Um, and I, and I went to the, I went to camp that summer. Uh, it was called Woodleaf was the name of the camp that mm. I went to in, in interior kind of from San Diego, Southern Cal. Yeah, and um, at Young Life Camp, what they, they, they present the gospel over a week long period mm. and, you know, allow kids to, you know, in many cases meet Jesus for the first time, but certainly to meet him in a more authentic way mm. than they probably have in the past. Mm. And so the, he talks about the, the different, so he tell, you know, shares different stories about Jesus and, and, you know, interweave stories. And the first night that we were there, the, the speaker wove in the story of Jesus being asleep in the bottom of the boat mm-hmm. and the waves crashing over and the, the disciples, you know, freaking out and thinking they're going to die and going down and waking mm-hmm. Jesus up and him calming the storm. And so after every night, they send you back to your cabins where you're, where you're sleeping and you have a little small group there and they have a, a, a series of questions. Mm. And one of the questions was, what is the biggest storm in your life right now? Ooh. And, uh, and I had not, I hadn't told even like, I don't even think I had told my best friend what wow. had happened. Like, I just was like, I'm not talking about this. Right. And I just knew that was kind of that moment where. I knew that I had to surrender mm. first to others mm. and, and then later in that week to, to Jesus, but I had to surrender what I was experiencing. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I, I literally, I was the last to go and I was, I sobbed the entire time away around Cause I just, I just knew, you know, I, I, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't expressed any of it. I hadn't, I hadn't allowed like, I don't even think I had really allowed myself to cry mm. about that experience and what had happened. Mm. Uh, and so I shared that. And I think that that, that moment was kind of represented that sort of opening of my heart to mm. then experience Jesus and experience a, a much deeper sense of the gospel. Um, and, you know, it, uh, obviously there's many, many ups and downs mm. in the journey since then, but that, that 100% was the moment in which my life changed forever. What a God-ordained moment. Thank you for sharing that. And Kingdom Builders, as you're listening to this, I just what comes to my mind is as much as we might be chasing other things or chasing other people, God chases you, right? What I'm hearing from you, Adrian, is God chased you down and he, he put things together. He allowed your, your mom just to say yes when you weren't expecting that to happen. What are the odds that the, the verse was all about storms? Like, But you accepted that. I know because ultimately God can't do anything if we have a closed heart, but you said yes. And then from there, and what does this have to do with follow-up? Everything. 
I believe at the heart of follow-up and connection and conversation is true authenticity. And that's what I just sense about you, Adrian. That's why I know you're great in business. You're incredible in life. There's a different type of transparency with what you're doing in contact mapping and everything because in your core, I mean, you can know all the tactics in the world and we'll dive into some of those because there's some amazing ones. But unless you solve those spiritual problems that you fill that hole that only God can fill, it's so hard to be transparent in the world and truly connect with other people. But yeah, now fast forwarding into your, your life, um, your businesses, your work and everything. How has, how has faith been a factor in your profession, in your business and all that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it has varied over my career. Mm. Um, I think there have been many times along the way where the, you know, where I was just kind of on autopilot and I, and it wasn't that I was pushing God away, but it was just like, I, I didn't feel like God was, it was, I didn't feel like I needed God right. in those moments. Right. Like it was kind of like, this is, this is just, this is going well. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm investing in my faith in these other areas of my life, but like, it's not that it's not, fully integrated. And I don't even necessarily know what that would look like. I would say much of my corporate career before starting contact mapping was like incredibly blessed. Mm. And, and I can look back on so many places along my journey where I see God's fingerprints all over the way that things opened up. And I acknowledged God's hand in that as I went through, but it was, it wasn't an active daily part of it. Mm. Mm. Um, and I would say even in my contact mapping journey, it ebbs and flows the degree yeah. to which that is true. Yeah. Um, and I think that especially the entrepreneurial journey mm. has tested my faith in ways that I, that it hasn't ever been tested before mm. has reinforced my faith in ways that it has never been reinforced before, because I think it's, it's it probably, the most challenging thing I've ever done wow. starting a company is in building a company is one. It just, you know, there are seasons where it's going amazing and there are seasons where you're like, are we going to make it to next month? Yeah. It, you have both of those things. And sometimes they happen like back to back. It's just, it's just, you are on a nice edge. It's yeah. just what it is. And one of the things, um, one of the things that has happened for me really recently, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had a really um, blessed corporate career. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I came in as an analyst at a, a tech company that was growing really fast. Mm-hmm. And I, through largely relationship building, made a name for myself and made an imprint in this organization really quickly. And it, and it flung open a ton of doors Mm. like in rapid succession. Yeah. And so I ended up getting to move all over the world working for this company. Um, I was running, I had a huge job at 32 years old. I was basically running all finance operations for a global company for everything outside the United States. So like almost half of their business and it was, it was this incredible thing. Yeah. And then it started to 
disintegrate mm. a little bit. Mm. And and that disintegration was in the in a couple of different forms. Mm. One was I I knew I I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I knew I wanted to be I was in finance mm. and I didn't really like finance anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wanted to be over here and I kept every time I would sort of like peer around the corner, there would be some new promotion and they they'd kind of mm. tuck it back into the fold. Got you. And so. And, and that was really good for us financially. It was really good for us. We got to, we lived in England, Australia, and Switzerland over five years. Like it was amazing. We had two yeah. kids born overseas. Like it was, it was a dream, mm. but it was, but I was also, it was becoming more and more clear mm. that I was dis- becoming disconnected yeah. from who I really was and what I really wanted. And it started, the politics became much bigger, the mm-hmm. higher up I got. And I was, it just, there was a lot of things going on. Yeah. And then on top of that, ultimately the company that I was working for, mm-hmm. which was a publicly traded company, got taken over by a private equity firm and mm-hmm. we had a huge layoff and, and all this stuff. And so there was a ton of like angst and pressure sort of in the buildup to that happening. Yeah. And then once it happened, we had to do this big layoff. And so it was in the midst of all of that, that the idea of contact mapping came. Um, and it came in an incredibly powerful way. Hmm. Um, my dad had, had just turned 65. We were actually talking about his legacy hmm. and what, and whether he was going to ever retire or what, you know, what was that about? And he, um, he coined contact mapping as a phrase 20 years ago to describe who he is and how he has done what he's done. And so right. he was like, he was in this moment of reflection going, I think contact mapping is who I am. That's mm-hmm. how you remember for. So we were, we were talking about it for him. Yeah. And then meanwhile, all of this stuff started sort of happening for me. Wow. And uh, on Christmas Eve, 2016, uh, I was in God's phone booth, which I also call the shower. <laughs> and like, it was literally this mo- like this moment where I felt like it was this like divine download of this idea that contact mapping was the thing that we should go build together because my story and my rise through the ranks in my company had been all about relationships, contact mapping. Like we both had lived contact mapping in completely different worlds. And there was just this like epiphany. Mm. And so, uh, so that happened. And then there was this series of events that happened in the immediate aftermath from that, where God, again, like really threw open the doors for me to leave my company. Uh, I, I essentially was able to lay myself off in this thing, which was, helped other people to to keep their jobs. I sort of ran this layoff and then kind of got to be the person that was kind of the, the one that walks out the door at the end and kind of paves the way for the next person to come without all of that baggage. And so it was this, this great thing. And so it was very, very clear to me. It is very, very clear to me that God made all of that happen. That Mm -hmm. that, that there was, that that was a calling in that moment. Wow. Oh and so now fast forward and things have been really hard at times. Yeah. Right. And we went through the pandemic. We mm. went through Silicon Valley bank. We went through all of these things over the last three years. Mm. And what I have said to God over and over again is God, I know that you gave me this calling Oof. and that this calling is not 
done yet. Yes. And so I know that it's all going to be okay because you gave me this calling. That sounds so good. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. What I was really saying is, God, you threw me off the cliff. And if you're going to crash me on the rocks, that is not acceptable to me. <laughs> that was really what that was. And I only realized, I only had this epiphany like two months ago and, wow. and it rocked me because I, because I, what I realized is that for three years I've been telling God, you're not a lot, like it is not, I'm, I'm not going with what you are doing. I'm telling you that you already told me what you're doing. So you've got to get, get, you hurry up and get your act together. <laughs> Um, cause like my yacht awaits yeah. uh, and, and you know, it, that's been a powerful realization. Um, and it doesn't mean that that's not, that, that, that isn't true, that God doesn't have, like that God doesn't have exactly the outcome I I'm dreaming of yeah. and probably so much more for this company. Yeah. What it does mean is that me attempting to pigeonhole or manipulate God into giving me what I want is number one, sure as heck not going to work. <laughs> um, and, and number two, I think that's not what like mm. I, I need, I needed and need this lesson because my desire is to control. Right. My desire is to achieve. My desire is to, uh, look good. My, mm -hmm. I have all these things. And, and so I got attached to that. It has to be this way. Mm. And it may be that God still wants it to be something like that way for me. Yeah. But God cares about my heart. Mm. And my heart is where it was mm. around that. And that I'm now working through. Wow. Then I probably wasn't re I probably wasn't ready to receive that, even if that's what he had for me. And so that is a big part of what I'm learning right now in my faith journey is, is to not hold so tightly mm. to what I think is supposed to happen because God's plan is so much bigger and, and could be, could have some big downs before the inevitable up, mm -hmm. whatever you, whatever that might be. And that, but that God is good and that he, that I can trust him on that journey. Oh my gosh. That was so beautifully said. Kingdom Builder, you got to rewind this and play this whole part multiple times. Because what you just walked us through, Adrian, was so delicate. And there's all these little nuances that are so important to have, right? How do you stand firmly on a God called dream? It's important that we do stand on his word. It's important that we do stand boldly on promises that are given. But on the flip side, which almost seems contradictory, it's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your way, not mine, which is also weird as well. So how do you have faith, but also surrender, right? How do you have conviction, but also contentment? Like it's this interesting dance that through your journey, and I so appreciate you bearing your heart. We should just rename today's Adrian Bears His Soul. Because this is, this is so healing for people, for any entrepreneur, for any person of faith, because you're just speaking with it raw. And it's interesting that it was so hard for you before to be transparent, because this is, this is rock solid stuff. So I so appreciate that, Adrian. 
Um, okay. Um, well, I'm just going to prophesy that because I can, I can sense that there is a pass of a test, right? And the moment that we pass the test, God is able to then gift us with more because he sees the heart, right? And if that desire was planted in your life and now he's ready to do for the promise, I just think about the story of Joseph. And I think about how he was prospered in all things, as you have been as well, too. But at the same time, he received the dream when he was like 17 years old, but he didn't see that fruition until he was like 50 or something. Right. So yeah. he had that time that he had to have that that character chiseling. And I so sense that I'm sure everyone here listening to this can sense that in Adrian as well, too. So if we could all just pray together that he, God prospers him even more quickly. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I think that's OK to pray. Okay I'll take pray, it. You Thank know? you. Absolutely. But Adrian, um, thank you for sharing that because it is so important that we talk about these tactical things <clears throat> that are so key, but un uncoupled from everything that you just talked about. It's so hard to truly be authentic at the follow-up profession, but let's dive into contact mapping a bit. And what are some of the things when it comes to follow-up that you, your father, your whole company, you've seen are so important that most people don't do these days for following up in the businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I think you talked about that God sees the heart. Mm. And I think that our, our job in business is to see the heart. Mm. And it's so, you, I, I think the thing that I, and I understand the whys mm -hmm. and I understand maybe that there's a place for, I don't even know that I feel that way. Like in my heart of hearts, I don't even know that I feel that way, mm. but there's so much out there of like, Hey, nice to meet you. Do you want to take a look at my thing? I promise it won't interfere with what you're doing. And if it's not, it's totally cold. No big deal. And you're just like, whoa, you know, no, I don't. Thank you. Please don't talk to me anymore. Like, I just don't, I like that just violates who I am. Mm to operate that way. Mm. And I, and I think that that's true for a lot of people. Mm. And I understand that it's kind of the least common denominator way of doing, but I don't think that we are, I, I don't think that entrepreneurship is the least common denominator journey. I just mm. don't. I think that in order to truly be successful, that you've got to be you. And, and doing that is not you. I don't know anyone, no, no one outside of being told to do that by some upline or network marketing trainer or whatever. No one does that mm. in real life. And so I don't want to talk to people different than how I would talk in real life. Mm. And I can't tell you that, you know, because I'm, you know, in these circles, I, I get so many messages and I'm just like, I like, I, for a little while I would like attempt to engage yeah. and like reframe them. And it was just like, pissing in the wind. So I don't do I don't even, I don't do that anymore because it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but it, you don't need to be that way. Mm. And I think that instead you want to be transparent in, in what you're up to. Right. right. So it's never about I'm pretending to be your friend long mm. enough. And now I can pop the question mm. because that just energetically doesn't work either. So that's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about here, yeah. but you can energetically shift into a place of I genuinely desire to know you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm working on a, a pretty big opportunity right now. And, and the person who I'm working with, and, and I have a lot writing on this. And the person who I'm working with, his his father is, is in his final days. Mm -hmm. And 
we don't know each other super well, but we know each other well enough that I know that about him. And I've, and I've started to see his heart through that. And the worst thing that I could do is to just say, okay, well, he's dealing with that. And I'm just going to like, I'm just going to operate on this side of the ledger right. and like that side of the ledger is your thing. Yeah. And like, that's an extreme example in, in the sense that like, we probably all just as human beings know, like you need to be empathetic to someone when they're mm -hmm. going through that difficult of an experience. But I think that's true. Like we're whole human beings. Mm -hmm. and so part one is to start, like how, how do you get curious enough to experience and learn about the whole human being? Mm -hmm. And then part two is that follow-up becomes so much more natural mm -hmm. and actually more fun mm. and more life affirming to you and to the person on the receiving end. Because now instead of me just saying, Hey, I know you said two months ago that you never want to talk to me again, but do you want to talk to me now about my business? Because we don't know anything else about each other besides the fact that I spammed you. And then you said, don't ever call me again, but here I am. Instead I can go, James, you know, how's your wife doing? Have you, you know, have you read any good books recently on spirituality that you think I should check out? How's, how's your church community? You know, I can get to know you in, in a way that allows me to, to open up the conversation in a loving way that sees you as a person first and then as a potential business partner or customer or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we teach and preach and show entrepreneurs how to do. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we call it a rotation of remember. Mm -hmm. The, the underlying premise is that in less than 10%, probably less than 5% of scenarios, hmm. will it happen that in the first conversation that you have with someone, that they're ready to be asked to buy your thing or hmm. your thing. It just, it, it happens every once in a while, but it, do, it won't happen most of the time. Yeah. So if you want to 20X, let's say it's 5%. Yeah. So if you want 20X your addressable market of opportunity, instead of just only harvesting the 5% where you happen to find them on the day they are ready to buy and mm -hmm. forgetting about the other 95% forever. What if instead you found a way to be able to stay in touch with all of those people in a way that's loving, that's affirming, and that doesn't take all of your time and have this be this crazy thing that is like a, you know, a, a weight around your neck weighing you down all the time. Yeah. But instead is just this, you know, this thing where on a daily basis, I, I get a little pop-up and I go and, and it, I've got James's Facebook there and I can pop that up and check out if he posted anything recently that I might want to say and just say, Hey James, you know, I was thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. Love you, man. I love that thing. I saw the other day. I, I sent a note. Actually, this is a cool, this would be a neat, a neat guy for you to talk to. His name's Gil Jones. Hmm. And uh, he was the, he was like the golden boy. He was the pastor of a church called Flatirons Community Church here in northern Colorado, mm. a gigantic, super successful church. And he the he he would he just became a, a, he became a celebrity in the circles that he ran in. Um, and he had a lot of hurt and a lot of stuff that wasn't dealt with. And he got into this position where he was on this pedestal and he didn't know he didn't have people to talk to. He didn't know what to do. And he royally blew up his life mm. and got run out of the church and got divorced and uh, really, and the Gill today is, I believe, 10 times more impactful 
and God-centered a person than the gill before the fall. Wow. And so anyway, I was like, why am I telling you this? So today, he, so he posted this beautiful, uh, incredible post today. Yeah. About, um, have you ever heard the story about the guy who they, they were working on electrical wires and the guy slipped and he fell on the, he fell onto a live supercharged electrical, like high wire. And so he was like immediate cardiac arrest and the, uh, his, his other person swung over there and gave him mouth to mouth and saved this guy's life in the air. Like there's this, so there's this photo oh, wow. of this of these two guys, this him giving him mouth to mouth and saving this guy's life, like 50 feet in the air. It's incredible. Wow. And so he put, he shared this picture and he talked about who in your, you know, we all have people in our life who have experienced this, you know, some shock that has totally blown up their life. Mm. And who, who, who in your life are you, pretending not to see the hurt that they're going through instead of engaging them. Mm. And I just, I saw that post. This wasn't a prompt. This one wasn't mm -hmm. prompt. But I, I sent him a video. And I just said, dude, like, thank you so much mm. for sharing things like this because the world needs to think like that. Mm. And so it just, your follow-up, that was a follow-up. Yeah. That follow-up was, I see you mm. and I affirm who you are in the world. Mm. And, that's that's what I have reframed what follow-up means. Mm. And that's what we help others to do. Yeah. And so then what incredibly starts to happen is when you do that to people, they start trying to figure out how they can get inside your circle mm. instead of you having to try to you know, <laughs> them in. And so that, it, it just becomes so much more fun and so much more aligned to who you are. And I, and I think it, you know, like talking attraction marketing principles or whatever, right? Like the kind of person who's going to respond to that, mm. is you're going to attract, you're going to bring the right people into your circle because the people who appreciate you mm. operating from your heart and from your core being yeah, is so much, you like you're going to get the right people and they're going to want to be in, in your tribe or in your circle or whatever, because they have experienced you from a place of authenticity wow. instead of from a place of some script or some other thing. That's not really you. So huge. You see this in the dating world, right? We think that we have to do a certain thing or be a certain way. And then you might get the date, but then that ends up being a really, really toxic relationship. And the same with business, the same in life. If you don't show up authentically as you and you go out there pitching yourself in whatever way, you might get attention, but yeah. it, might, it might not be what you want, you know, yeah. so yeah. very well spoken. And what I get from this, and that's why I'm excited about contact mapping, what it can do is you're systematizing a, a way of being, which is how the world should be, which is authentic human beings. I think the phrase is we're not human doings, we're human beings. Just bringing it back to that, you know, because as you were speaking, Adrian, you know what I was saying about I've been on both sides of the coin personally uh, of me pitching people. So there's one side in business, sales, marketing, network marketing, where I'm trying to prospect and draw out things and it feels so inauthentic. And then I pitch. Right. And then there's and that takes a lot of time. Then there's the other side where I'm like, screw that. I'm just going to pitch you right away. Yes, no, whatever that it is, which also feels like I'm a robot now. Right. But you're talking about with contact mapping, rotation, remember all the things and methodology that you're teaching, um, that happy medium of truth. That yeah. is, I believe, and just statistically from what you've seen, 
when your clients, when you've done this yourself in terms of, I don't know if you, you measure it, if there's something measurable, but what's the type of impact that people see in their businesses and their lives doing things this way versus yeah. other ways? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, um, I, I, I want to figure out how we can get more like quantitatively trackable at scale yeah. of like, so that, that's something that I'm actually putting some thought into how we can do that. Mm. Um, but what I do get all the time is these transfer, you know, these, these stories about the specific outcomes of the people whose lives we're touching. Yeah. Right. And so actually April who, who's watching with us now, she's one of our clients and she's amazing. And, you know, she has built contact mapping into her network marketing company and in the process that she runs mm. and what she has done both from a business perspective, she can share incredible stories about things that have happened in her business that wouldn't have happened as without contact mapping prompting her on that day mm. to make that outreach. But I think certainly for her, cause I know her heart even more importantly that she has touched lives in ways that she never would have could have, you know, that, that it was like, I, it feels ordained that that person showed up on my list on this day. So we, we hear both of those kinds of stories all the time. We got a, 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 one of our amazing clients named Paul who has, you know, just month after month after month after month for 18 months has continued to make new highs over and over again in his business because of this process of following up, this process of not just, because what, what happens otherwise is you just get on this hamster wheel, mm. right? Like I have to do 30 outreaches a day and mm -hmm. none of those people ever hear from me again. Mm. And so like essentially what's happening is that I'm starting from like, like it, it's as though I, there's no building, like there's no stair step, right? Mm. Like I'm just like running as fast as I can. And then like, I hope that something happened and worked and whatever. And then the next day I've got to like, just do it all over again. And if I don't do it today, like there wasn't any, there's no kind of like compounding. And so what we see in our clients experience is that if they get consistent in doing what we're doing, that they start to create that compounding growth mm. because those connections and those touches, you know, it's now I'm on the seventh or eighth touch on this person. And statistically that's what you know, in traditional sales and in network marketing, that's what it takes. And so you get to that point and now it's like, oh, wow, like the, the harvest is ready. And when watching that moment happen for our clients is just the most gratifying, beautiful thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. And April said, contact mapping is a tool God is using. God designed us to be relational, not transactional, right? So what I'm hearing here is just be, take it. It's unfortunate. I think we have to unlearn how to be. Because culture to teaches us to be a certain way and going back to who we're meant to be. And when you yeah. start to do that, you release so much joy. The impact that you have in your business, your life is so much better. And the relationships are so rich and you enjoy following up because it works and it's fun. Yes. <laughs> Adrian, we've covered so many incredible things. Um, thank you for bearing your heart today. I know it's going to transform and heal. I see so many comments already of people saying this just hit them emotion like crazy. Um, but where's the best places and I'll have it in the show notes to get in touch with you if they want to know more about you or contact mapping. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, go check out contactmapping.com. There's a lot of great information there about our, our system. Um, it's a, it's an app on your phone. We have iOS and Android as well as on your computer and we have a, a big community component to what we do. Um, so definitely invite you to check that out. Um, as you do that, please connect with me personally. So um, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on, I'm everywhere. So I'm easy to find. Chenault's not a super common name. Uh, so come find me and like, let's have a conversation. I, I love James. I love you. And I love your audience. And I love what this conversation, I love this conversation. And I love the conversations that you're creating. And I'd really love to, to connect with your audience. So uh, please don't hesitate to, to reach out to me directly on whatever social platform. And I'd love to, to connect with some of your friends. Thank you for that invitation. And before I ask you a last question, this is what I like to ask our kingdom builders and everyone here, right? You mentioned um, that example of someone feeling like it was an ordained person on their list, right? You see, when we, when we, when we act from a place of being inspired, which is in spirit, which for us is God, the Holy Spirit, He's going to drop little nuggets for you. So I just want to ask all of us today, as you're listening to this, what's something the Holy Spirit's saying to you? What's an action? Maybe it's someone you need to forgive. Maybe it's someone you need to talk to. Maybe it's someone you need to follow up with. Maybe it's connecting with contact mapping. What's an inspired thought for your action that you need to take? And my challenge to you is to take action on that. Because transformation happens, right? The, the dividing and the duplication of the loaves and the fish happen in the hands of the disciples. So whatever those ideas are, we have to take action on that. So I encourage you to do that. Um, but Adrian, uh, if you had a last message for the kingdom builder here, the faith-based entrepreneur, what's something you'd love to be able to share with them? You know, I... One of my mentors and and dear friends is a guy named Bob Bodine. Have you ever heard of Bob before, James? No. He's amazing. He, so he wrote a book called Two Chairs hmm. um, and another book called The Power of Who. Hmm. Um, and he is uh, he's an executive recruiter in this, this sports executive space. So he's actually, he placed Deion Sanders at University of Colorado, like top, top guy. And faith is everything to him. Hmm. And... He, he said something to me recently that it, if it's not good right now, you know that it's not over because God has good things for you in store. Mm. And I think there's two lessons in that. One is, you know, what we talked about earlier that I, I think I was so, I was so holding on to that it had to be one way and I had to release, but I also had to have the faith that what God has for me in the long run, even if I don't understand what it is, even if the time frame of that is far beyond my understanding, I trust that God has the best in store for me, in mind for me, even if that's different from how I would write the story if it were up to me, his story is far, far greater. And so I just encourage you to, to hold to that, right? That God works all things for the good of those who love him. And that if you love God, that you can lean on that truth. And so that's, especially for the entrepreneur, hold, mm. hold fast to that, but don't hold fast that it's your way. Hold fast to God's way of what that looks like. So well said. Thanks so much, Adrian. Well, Kingdom Builder, this was a blessed conversation. If you're not yet subscribed, subscribe, share this replay that portion seriously that, that everybody this whole thing multiple times man so so much wisdom here 
But let me end this and connect with Adrian everywhere that he's at, for sure. It's going to bless you tremendously. But um, do you mind if I close out with prayer for us today? Please. Awesome. Well, dear Father, we're just so thankful for Adrian. We're thankful for his anointing. We're thankful that you've caused everything to work together for the good of those who are called according to the purpose. The hurts, the hangups, the things that have happened in the past have positioned him for a place in a time just like this to be able to take that testimony that you've been shaping in his life um, to, to, the, to the masses, because there's a message that he carries with him that he's, so, he's been so prepared for right now. Let's pray that that mantle is able to be blessed, that he's able to prosper in all the things that you called him to do in contact mapping in his family and his business and everything. And I pray for that those receiving this conversation today are kingdom builders, wherever they're at in their journey with you, Lord, that you meet them today in a powerful, powerful way, that you convict them in the most powerful ways, that you stir something in their spirit, that you activate something in their innermost beings in a way that only you can do, that you fill them with new visions, with new dreams, that you anoint them for a new call, that you're able to release any chains that are on them, and you're able to propel them into the next directions with everything that we picked up today. Just think every single person that's listening to this right now we thank you in Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Thanks so much, Adrian. This has been a fantastic conversation. Kingdom Builders, we love you. We'll see you on the next ones. Talk soon and God bless.